Well, it is good to be with you, and yes, we are back in the circle. If you are new here at the season of Lent, we sit in a circle, and this dates all the way back to last year uh, (laughs) when some stupid new pastor said, hey, we should sit in a circle for Lent, mix it up, and not enough of you complained, and so here we are. Um, We're back. That'll teach you all to not complain, right, at church. Um, So what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Let's talk about this season of Lent, what it is. And life. Life is defined by the different changes that we have in seasons from here to there and everywhere in between. You start as a baby and you grow up, you in diapers, you get to grade school, you get to uh, elementary school, so on and so forth, until you become a full-blown adult at some point. I'll let you know when I'm there as an adult, but not quite. And we mark these changes by different things. As much as kindergarten graduation sounds weird, it is good to mark something and say, this is finished, and now we're going into something else. And we do that in church, or at least we should, because oftentimes church seems to run together. It all seems one Sunday after another after another. If we're not kind of changing things up, if we're not uh, making a significant mark and saying this is something new. So we have, for example, the season of Advent, Uh, which is the lead up until the birth of Jesus, those Sundays of joy and hope and love and peace until Jesus' birth. We have Christ the King Sunday. We have uh, uh, all sorts of things, Pentecost and other holidays in the church that we celebrate. And this is one of them. This is Lent. This is the season of Lent. The 40 days plus seven Sundays or so that lead us up into the resurrection uh, of Jesus. Uh, We celebrate on Easter or Resurrection Sunday as we like to call it. So, We sit in a circle for this season of Lent so that wherever you are sitting, right in the middle is not me, but it's the cross. That wherever you're sitting, wherever you're looking and you look forward, you see the cross because we keep the cross at the center of everything we do in the season of Lent. And not only that, when you look across the room, you can see someone through the cross, whoever that is that is sitting across from you. So we choose to see people, see each other through the redemptive work of the cross. That is what the season of Lent is about that we're going to see each other and see God, see Christ through the redemptive work on the cross. So, Resurrection Sunday is coming up, but we started this past Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. Thanks to all who were able to come out and receive ashes to begin this season. And this season of Lent is traditionally a season of fasting, so maybe you've fasted from something before for Lent, or maybe you are now, or for some of you, maybe you you don't like to fast, you you choose to add on something, so I'm going to do something That reminds me that this is the season of Lent, that this is something different. Whatever it might be, that is great. Um, But at the heart of Lent is repentance and renewal. As you see from our title, Lent is a time for repentance and renewal. That's what the season is about. It's a different season than any other season in the church life, and I think it should feel different and be different. We sit in this circle, like I said, for a few reasons, so it feels different. So we see the cross and we see each other. And we're reminded of our need for repentance, to turn from our sin, to come back to the God who loves us and renews us and is making all things new in his time. Pastor Esau, uh, I'm sorry, Professor Esau McCulley, he's the professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. He wrote a little tiny book called Lent. I recommend it to everyone. It just came out like a year ago. It's very new, um, not even a year ago for this season of Lent, and he he said this, he, he wrote this in his book. He says, we hope that as Christians we mature and grow and become more and more like Christ. All right, that's the hope that I think we all have, that we want to grow, become like Christ as we come to know him and be formed into his image. But we presume, the church presumes, that life is long and zeal fades. 
Life is long and zeal fades. Is anyone aware that life is long sometimes, right? Life can be long. It can be a journey when you get difficult diagnoses, when you have injuries, when you have struggles, broken relationships that you're longing to be restored. And that zeal for God fades. We'd like to think, you know, just as you met your spouse and you had that zeal for them when you first got married, it was great. And then you got to get to work of getting to know them and developing that relationship. Well, such it is with God. We encounter Jesus, and we have this zeal, but we know as this journey of life, zeal fades sometimes. It gets harder and harder to follow Jesus. And so with that, he says, in the church life, we have this season of Lent to recapture our love for God and his kingdom, to recapture our love for God and his kingdom. So renewal, repentance, and recapturing, the three R's, not reading, writing, and arithmetic, but renewal, repentance, and recapturing. My prayer for us this season, this 40 days and seven Sundays for you, for us as a church, for your family, is that we might recapture that love of God. That we might recapture how much God loves us. That he's called us to himself through the work of this cross. And he's making all things new in his time. It's a joyful season, or it can be a joyful season, when we look at the season of Lent through the cross. You know, I try and reach out to as many of you as I can to hear how things are going, and I hear that things are hard. Things can be hard. Raising kids is difficult. I don't know if you know. Right? Uh, dealing with health issues is hard. Dealing with aging parents is hard. These things take our zeal. They hurt us. They, they, they make us struggle. Things can overwhelm us. They veer us off course sometimes, where we're like, I don't even know how I ended up here. What is going on? And so in this season of Lent, I pray that we might renew our relationship. We might repent of what we need to repent of, that we might recapture God's love for us and be recaptured again by God and his heart for us. So that's what Lent is about in about five minutes or so, a little rundown. And so here's what the season looks like. It started on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. If you came and received ashes, a sign of uh, your mortality and your frailty before God. It's going to move on to Palm Sunday, uh, which comes up uh, right before, the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, where we remember Jesus came in on uh, lowly and humble and meek, and they said, here comes the king, and then five days later they crucified him. And then we get to Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus. We'll see that with our evening service on Good Friday. We would love for you all to join us for that. And lastly, Resurrection Sunday or Easter. And I said this last year, I'm going to say it again. I don't know what an Easter is, but I know what Resurrection Sunday is. So I encourage you to call it Resurrection Sunday uh, as we march toward Resurrection Sunday, the day Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, it's a wonderful day. It's a celebratory day where we remember that occasion. Amen? Okay, good. That wasn't good enough. Amen? amen. All right. All right. Resurrection's worth an amen, I think, right? So you're sitting here like, that's a lot of things. That's a lot of different things. It is. Right? If you were with us in Lent, I, I preached the, in Lent, and I talked about the Sunday of joy, that I struggle with joy. I'm not a very joyful person. Like, I don't, that's, not, that's not me. That's not how I operate. I, I wrestle with joy. And so Advent kind of feels real fake to me it's sometimes. Like, it's just like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Everyone's happy all the time. What if I'm not happy? And here comes Lent. And Lent is the holiday that feels like a real whole person. Because whatever I'm bringing to Lent, I can come to Lent in that way. If I'm, if I'm dealing with anxiety, I can come in the season of Lent. If I'm dealing with grief, I can come in the season of Lent. 
If I'm coming with joy, I can, I can come with joy in the season of Lent. Lent feels like a whole person to me, and, and I feel like in church sometimes uh, we're not often welcomed as whole people, or feel like we're not welcomed as whole people, like we've got to put on a face or a mask to walk through the front door. And I never want that to be the case. Come as we are, broken, to be made new, to be made whole. If I ever put on a mask in front of you, please, you have your permission to slap me. I promise I, I will not be offended. Um, Mel probably already is ready to just slap after that game last night. Just to, Never mind, because you won. Okay. She's coming in with joy. I know, yeah, that's true. That's true. Are you today? Tell me about it. Is it because the game yesterday? Yeah, I, what's that? It was great. It was great, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, we're going to change the topic of today's sermon. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, such is Lent. We're in this season of Lent. We're moving forward. And in this Lenten season, come as you are. Come as you are. Whatever you're bringing, whatever hurts, whatever struggles, whatever joys, come as you are. Just, just come to church. Come here. Come experience and meet the living God in this season of Lent. And each week, we're going to have an image or an idea, or an item that we're going to focus on. I'm going to give a big shout-out to Joey Mayfield for letting me throw this idea back and forth with him in his kitchen at 10 p.m. on a random Wednesday. Um, so thank you, Joey. And so our first item here is dust. And I know this is sand, but pretend it's dust, okay? So we're going to talk about dust. Um, dust. Dust is what we're going to talk about. So the word for dust can also sometimes translate as soil, in the, in the Old Testament. So depending on where an author was, if they're in the southern part of Israel, there's dust. If you're in the northern part, there's more soil. It's a richer area, but we're going to just use this as an example of dust. And the season began with these words, from dust you came to dust you shall return. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about dust and repentance. We're going to talk about time today. We're going to talk about death today, because part of Lent is talking about our mortality, talking about death, and that it does come for all of us in the end, and what that means for us as followers of Jesus. So I encourage you this season, come ready to listen, to engage, to hear from God in a real meaningful way in this season of Lent. Let me pray. Lord, help us as we begin this journey talking about dust and considering how you have made us from the dust, and what that means, that we will return to dust, and how that impacts this time that we live now. Holy Spirit, make yourself present among us. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1 begins, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God was getting ready to create. And Genesis 1 leads us through the story of God's creation, carefully, systematically showing us that God created all things, that he created all things good. In his tender, loving mercy and goodness, he made a space for everything and gave everything a space. He made land and water, and he separated those things. He made the sky and the ground, and he separated those things. And he made the light and the dark, and he separated those things. And then Genesis tells us that God made things to inhabit those spaces. So he made land animals to inhabit the land and water animals to inhabit the water and sky animals to inhabit the sky and even made a sun and a moon to hang in the day and the nighttime to illuminate those spaces as well. And then God determined he needed someone to lovingly care for this creation that he had made. 
And so he creates man and woman to tend for what he has made. He creates man first and then woman as a suitable helper. The word there is azer. Azer connecto, maybe you've heard that word before. And it's the same word that's used later on in the Psalms when the people of God are praying and they pray to God and say, God, send us an Ezer. Come, Lord, God, help us. You are our Ezer. Ezer, you are our helper. You are the one that we need in our time of need. And so certainly God is not below humans, right? And so if that word is used for God, then certainly we do not put women below man. So it is not man and then women. It is men and women created co-heirs, co-working together for the kingdom of God, for God's glory. God uh, creates man and woman in dependency on each other. And I'm not even talking about relationship, just for the sake of existence, man and women depending on each other, working together as co-heirs to care for the creation that God has beautifully made. And how does God make us? Genesis 2, 7. The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, from this, and he breathed into his nostrils, and man and woman we came to life. Now, if you're a biblical literalist, that means if you believe that Genesis 1 and 2 was the literal creation, account of creation, that God made everything in one, two, three days, and so forth, then dust is very important to you, because it says that this is what we have been made from, this very dust. If you're not a biblical literalist, and you think Genesis 1 and 2 is a poem or a poetic recounting of how God has made the creation, then dust is still very important to you. Because when the authors of Genesis looked at themselves and they looked at their ancestors and they saw how they turned to dust, they said, oh, from dust we turn, from dust we must have come. And that's how we begin, that from dust we have been made and ultimately to dust we return. So either way, wherever you come from this morning, dust is very important. It is a sign of our frailty, that we are frail creatures. We are here one moment and possibly gone the next. You know, we'd like to think that we will live forever. Now, now maybe we don't actually think that, but we practically and functionally live like we're going to live forever. Do you know why? Because country fried steak exists. Right? <laughs> Nobody should ever fry steak and put gravy on it, right? If you think you're going to live forever, that shouldn't be a thing. Some of these foods that we eat are unbelievable. So we think we're going to live forever. That's partially why time travel movies are kind of really interesting. I love time travel movies. I will put that in a sermon every chance I can get back to the future. Come on now. There it is. Um, any time travel, it can be terrible. I will watch it like 20 times because I love it, right? Because we love this idea of, man, I've lost time or this. I want to feel like I can live forever. I want to go in the future. I want to go in the past. I want to experience these things. But obviously that's not real yet, right? Yeah, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> not real. But Lent reminds us of our mortality, of our frailty, that from dust we came and to dust we shall return. So let's pause here. We're going to pause a few times this morning, and I want you to consider this question, that Lent is a reminder of our mortality. So what are you doing from dust to dust? You started as dust. You will end as dust. What has God called you to? What work is he calling you to? What, what ministry is he calling you to in your workplace, at home, wherever you might be? What are you doing 
from dust to dust? Take a moment and consider that question just silently. As we move along, by the time we get to the book of Joshua, and certainly by the book of Job, dust becomes a sign of grief and repentance. Grief and repentance. In the book of Job, Job faces a lot of problems I'm going to talk about in a minute, and one of the things he does is he sprinkles or rubs this dust or ash on his head as a sign of the grief and a sign of repentance. The story of Job goes like this, that Job is this man who had everything. He had money, he had wealth, he had possessions, he had a beautiful family, lots of kids, he was married to his wife, he had everything, he honored God, he loved God. Not only was he right with God, he tried to make sure his children were right with God. Sounds like the perfect guy, perfect family. And then we get this account that God is in heaven with these angels, and one of those angels comes, and it's called the accuser. And the accuser comes and says, God, of course Job is so wonderful. You haven't let anything bad happen to him. I bet you if you let one bad thing happen to him, that he will, he will just turn on you completely. And God says to the accuser, go ahead. He's yours, but don't take his life. And so he loses his money. He loses his possessions. He loses his children. Uh, he loses everything his, he has. His wife curses him, and he loses his health. And he still won't curse God. He still won't do it. But, but Job, in this place of grief, he repents, he, he, he turns and rubs ashes on his head, this dust on his head, and he has this disagreement and argument with God in the midst of it, like, God, I've done nothing wrong. I haven't done anything. Why is this happening to me? Anyone felt like that? I've done nothing wrong. Why is this happening to me? And his friends show up, and his friends are useless. They don't help him in any way, right? They're trying to get him to like, hey, obviously you did something wrong. You need to confess. Like, I didn't do anything. He says, oh, if only I had an advocate, if only I had somebody who would come and speak in between me and God and make things right for us. He's crying out to God, and, and God is silent in the whole book until the very end. And God finally speaks to Job, and he says, hey, Job, uh, do you know my ways? Do you know how I made the animals in the water? Do you know how I made the animals in the sky? Do you know how I hold the planets in orbit? Do you know any of these things, Job? And Job is left at the end. Job's like, ah, I, I don't. I don't know how you do any of this, God. And so I repent in dust and ashes. He says, Job 42, 1 and 6. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. I repent in dust and ashes. The stuff that I was made from, let me remind myself of your greatness, God, in the midst of my mortality. Your greatness in the midst of my mortality. Job says some really strong things to God in the book of Job. But God does not judge him. He doesn't punish him for his honesty. He doesn't punish him for speaking honestly to God. An honest, difficult talk with God is called lament. When we grieve things, when we struggle with things, when we wrestle with things, we speak to God. Why has this happened? I hate this. Not again. Why would you allow this? How long, O oh Lord? Look for those words. Those are signs of lament in the Bible. How long must this keep happening? And God's answer is, my son, my daughter, I see you. Trust me. Turn to me. Remember where you came from. Remember how I made you, and I love you, and you bear my image. 
Job doesn't get any answers. You know, I'm a five, and I, I, I like those literary ambiguities. And if, and if you're not, Job can be a really frustrating book because you don't get an answer at the end. You just get, ah, all right, you were right, God, I was wrong. And when the book ends. But here is this call to, to renew our trust in God. So Lent is a reminder of our mortality. It's also a reminder to turn toward humility in the season of Lent, to turn again toward humility Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I can't sing, but that's a, that's a song. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up higher and higher. So let's pause for a moment and consider our own humility. How big and wide and great is the Father's love for us, and how small we are, and yet he loves us, he knows us, he's made us, he's called us by name. Consider the greatness and grandeur of God for a moment this morning. Let's make one more turn. We're going to turn to the New Testament. And the New Testament doesn't have a lot to say about dust. Um, actually, what it has to say is Jesus talking about shaking the dust off your shoes, off your, you know, your feet, and when a house doesn't welcome you in. But there is one section that does talk about dust. And that's Paul, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he writes to them a word and says, hey, uh, in this chapter, he's talking about the resurrection that Jesus was raised from the dead in his physical body, and our hope in Jesus is that we will be raised not just as spirit, but in our physical bodies as well, that there is a physical body resurrection that we hope for and wait on in God's timing. And he says this, the first man, who was Adam, he was made from this dust. He is of the dust. And the second man is Jesus. He is of heaven. And so just as the earthly man, we are of those of the earth, and as the heavenly man, we are those of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we will bear the image of the heavenly man as well. As those who bear the image of Adam, we are made of dust. From dust we came, and to dust we shall return. But the good news that Paul is getting at, the good news, praise be to Jesus, that dust is not our final condition. Dust is not our final condition, because we wait and we hope expectantly on the resurrection of Jesus that we too will be raised from the dead. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 15, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. De dust is not our final condition. Death is not our final condition. He has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lent is a reminder of our mortality and our need for humility. And lastly, Lent points us toward eternity. We're reminded that we are eternal beings, that this earth is not the end, that a new heaven and a new earth is coming, Revelation promises, where all things will be made new and good and right. And though we are dust and we return to dust, we hold on to the promise of the resurrection. That will be raised in these bodies free of pain, 
free of hurt, free of anger, free of anxiety, free of struggles, free of all these things. We are eternal creatures. Earth is not our final home. We have a better home with many rooms waiting for us through the promise of Jesus Christ. Take a moment and reflect on those words as well, that we are eternal creatures waiting for our home. I want you to consider the cross in front of you and remember Riverside, remember friends, remember your mortality, remember your need for humility, remember your place in eternity as we begin this journey of Lent. Though each day we move one step closer to death, remember that you serve the one who has conquered death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the promises of this journey of Lent. That though we are made from dust to dust, we shall return. It is not our final place. That you make all things new. You are making us new. And we look forward to the hope of eternity with you, Jesus. And our new bodies with a new hope and a new promise. Well, we have many questions and many things we wonder and many things we struggle with, Lord. Give us your peace that surpasses all understanding. Give us your hope in this season where we may have doubt and fears. Give us a recapturing of your love for us, that you have made us and you know us by name and we are yours. O Holy Spirit, give us your joy today. Give us your peace and your comfort. May we fix our eyes on you today and every day. We thank you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.